And now, here on Radio 4, the travel writer and author of the book Map Addict, Mike Parker, concludes his journey through the world of cartography. Today, he returns to his childhood home to consider maps of the mind, the memory and the imagination. I guess some of the most powerful maps that we can imagine are just that, the ones that we hold in our heads. And there's no stronger map in your head than that of the place that you grew up. And I've come back to the town that I grew up in and left 25 years ago to go to London and University. Uh, and that's Kidderminster in Worcestershire. And I've spent the last few nights at home in, in Wales trying to draw the map of Kidderminster as I remember it back in the late 70s and early 80s. And I have to say, it was one heck of a task because you think you remember things really well and then you start to put it down onto paper and then you, you, you're overcome by doubt and you think, was it like that? Did that street go that way? Did that go off that road, go off that avenue? And you suddenly find that what you think are solid memories that are unshakable, are really quite flimsy. So what I was left with were those places which meant most to me as I was growing up. And I've populated my map of Kidderminster, or Kiddy as we know it, with the shops that I remember, most now gone of course, the carpet factories, ditto, the pubs I sneaked into as a teenager, ditto, the field where I walked the dog, yep, that's gone too. And all of it encircled by the ring road, which since the 60s has throttled the town. That's still there, of course. It was odd to sit down and draw a detailed map for the first time in about 30 years. As a child, I used to do it all the time, creating maps of imaginary kingdoms, king of all I surveyed. And here I was again, mapping out a place that's by now a strange hybrid of memory and imagination. Catherine Harmon believes that the instinct to map is very strong in all of us, especially in childhood. Her book, You Are Here, explores personal geographies and maps of the imagination. There was a map... Um, on the ceiling of my bedroom when I was about five years old, and I remember looking up at it. It was actually a series of water stains. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember very much India. Just uh, definitely India was part of that that map on the ceiling. But I, I think, you know, we all have that urge to place ourselves in the grand scheme of things, and and maps are a wonderful way for children to do that um, because they're trying to sort out what their position is maybe in their family and where their bedroom is in the home and, yeah. and where they are in the neighborhood, where their school is, that kind of thing. And uh, maybe as we grow older, we come to look for uh, orientation in a lot of different places, such as in literature or um, history or art. And perhaps we lose that mapping urge. I'm chuffed to say that the mapping urge is still pretty strong among the primary school pupils of Kidderminster. Much as I'd have liked to have returned to my own school, Lee House, 
That too was demolished many years ago and only survives on my hand-drawn map. But the pupils of St Ambrose Catholic Primary School made me very welcome and had drawn some splendid maps of our hometown. First of all, I've drawn my house, which is there, and I've put the new houses down there, and I've got a school, and I've got a little street in Birmingham Road, because I use Birmingham Road a lot to, like, go into town and walk yeah. down it. Well, you put every house on. Every last house. I mean, you've got, you must have put three or four dozen houses on there. That's amazing. Now, this is pretty. You've got some nice colours on here. So just talk me through this then, Megan. Well, basically, I started off the Roland Hill statue because I know he's quite important in Kidderminster. That's true. Because um, he invented uh, the postage stamp. That's right. And I, I, I put the glades because I started doing taekwondo, which is a Korean version of um, karate. And um, after three and a half years, I managed to get to black belt, so I thought that the Glades was quite an important Oh, place. yes. So no mess with you, then? No. no. Well, this is a bright, colourful one. Now, talk me through what you've done here, then, Florence. Well, I started at my house. Yeah. And because I walk to school every day, the church is here and the school is here, but I forgot to put that on. You forgot to put the school on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you the one that I did. I was thinking, looking at this, actually... Um, looking at this one of Grace, and she's got Weaver's Wharf on there, which is that shopping centre, isn't it? And this is the one I did. This is when I was when I was when I was young. But that's Weaver's Wharf. It was a blinking great carpet factory when I was little. Brinton oh, in the middle of town. That's what. Yeah, Kidderminster. It was all carpet factories. There were carpet factories everywhere when I was in Little As you see, so um, that's where I used to get my hair cut when I had hair <laughs> to cut. Good old days. Um, see, it's a pair of scissors. Oh, yes. You see that? <laughs> you fell in the canal? I did, yes. <laughs> well, I'm just walking down Vicar Street, as it's called, the Main Street in Kitty. I think the only shop that hasn't changed in the last 30 years, as far as I can remember, is W.H. Smith, which 30 years ago was the only place in town you could buy books or maps. Uh, and I suspect it probably still is today the only place you can buy books or maps. Or, in my case, not always buy them, if you know what I mean. And that's my guilty secret. While other kiddie teenagers were nicking normal things like sweets, records or fags, I was half-inching one-inch maps. Looking back on my map-rustling career as a youngster, I would never have the guts to do it now. I mean, I've, I've had people sort of saying, oh, here he comes, the map stealer, and lock up your maps. All the rest of it. But now, of course, I'm 43 years old now, I wouldn't have the guts to steal so much as a free borrow from the bank, let alone a map. But looking back, I guess... Well, one of the shops, my main, the main shop that I used to steal from was in Worcester, uh, the Middle Educational Bookshop, and that went bust not many years later, and I really hope that those two facts are connected. As this series has shown, no map is the absolute truth. They're all on a spectrum of falsehood, from the benignly subjective to the sinisterly manipulative... And if a map that purports to be fact turns out to be rather more of a fiction, how true is the map of somewhere that seems to be pure fiction, yet is very real to many? It's time to follow the map to a place that we in Worcestershire know to be just down the road. Welcome to Borsetshire and the village of Ambridge, nestling in the vale of the River Am under the watchful eye of the Hassett Hills, 
And it's remarkable how detailed a picture it's possible to build up of a place none of us have ever seen. I start off, you see, in my <laughs> mind, I start off with Brookfield. And you've got Brookfield at the end of the lane. <laughs> you've got a little lane and then you've got the bungalow, which used, was built for David and Ruth, but of course Bert lives there now. Linda Jolly has been a devoted Archers listener for the past 22 years. Then you go on a bit and you've got Ambridge Farm. And then the other side, you, you're coming up to um, Honeysuckle Cottage. You've got the stables just before that. Then you come into what I call the village proper. OK, just stop there for a moment, Linda, while I catch up. And ask whether having a map of Ambridge actually matters. Well, here's an example of Ambridge's geography determining a small plot point in a recent episode. The original script had included a car journey in one scene, when the distance that Lillian, played by Sonny Ormond, needed to go was only a short walk. we just come out of the hall. We'd had a meeting in the hall. Uh, and my character said, oh, my goodness, I've lost my car keys. I've left them in the hall. Can we get in there? Bloody, bloody, blah. blah, blah. Uh, can you drop me off at the pub, you know, in the car, and so on and so forth. Is Christine locked up and gone? I'm afraid so, yeah. Oh. <sighs> Are you all right, Lillian? You were very quiet at the meeting. Yeah, 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 I'm fine. My head's just all over the place, that's all. And then we realised, of course, it was like two minutes away from where we were. So on that occasion, the writer had got it wrong and we had to go back and, and start again and, and, and rewrite right. it, actually. How about we wander over to Woodbine and pick up the hall keys from Christine? I'll keep you company if you like. Oh, David, would you mind? Not at all. And we could walk to the bull afterwards if you like. I mean, I could use a drink. If you fancy one? Oh, I certainly fancy one. Pint of shires, please. I'll join you as soon as I finish Linda Jolly's guided tour of Ambridge. And then you've got the village shop, and outside the village shop you've got the um, the telephone box, which Martha Woodford used to tend, put the fresh flowers in. I remember, yeah. Yes, and now it's an information kiosk, apparently. By contrast, the cast of the Archers aren't half as good at finding their way around. Eddie Grundy, for example, must have fallen out of the bull hundreds of times and headed back home to keep his cottage. But can his alter ego, actor Trevor Harrison, work out the route? Right, oh dear. It, to me. Okay, right. Oh dear. I, I don't know whether or not I'd cross the village green. I think so, yeah. Um, I'm told. Yeah, right. Well, well I was right. Uh, I don't know. I'd hang a right. I'd smell Linda Snell's perfume. I'd try and get myself to uh, Ambridge Hall. Because once I'm at Ambridge Hall, I do, I'm just down the road. <laughs> I'm a bit more like, I suppose, a, a Google Earth to Ambridge. I tend to um, zoom in and zoom out of different scenes. So if Eddie's in the bull and he says, right, I'm going now, I'm, I'm going to see so-and-so, see David at Brookfield, I then zoom to Brookfield. But it is, Ambridge is still very real to me, the actual locations. That's, I would imagine that would be just like Eddie would, though. Eddie wouldn't be a map bloke, would he? He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He'd know his way around the countryside beautifully yeah, and, I, and instinctively. He would. Yeah, exactly. I was just about to use that yeah. expression. I think his instinct would totally from the ball yeah. <laughs> to where he lives. Totally, you know. Yeah, he could do that. You sat nothing. We just press the button, <laughs> yeah. saying home, yeah. and, and off he goes. <laughs> what Eddie needs is the advice of an expert. Linda? Glebelands, the new development, you see, and you, you go further on that way and then there's... Gra oh, I could go on forever. There's Grange Farm. <laughs> and uh, everyone is pictured in your mind. Oh, everyone yes, it's all there, but, right. you see, it may not agree with what the writers put because this is how, as somewhere is mentioned, I slot it in. Right. I mean, for instance, your if Arkwright map. Hall was suddenly taken over by a gang of New Age travellers, I would have to think, right, where am I going to put Arkwright <laughs> Hall? I know it's there, but no, it, no, it can't go there. 
like me, both Linda and her fellow archers addict Jan Stretch hail from Worcestershire. Jan models her mental map of Ambridge on the Worcestershire villages that Godfrey Baisley had in mind when he created the archers 60 years ago. It's a combination of sort of Ink Barrow, Hatt and what's in my head as well. I picture the bull being a black and white building, which uh, the old bull is at Ink Barrow, so that is very influential. But I think it's also in uh, every listener's, um, you know, imagination as well. It's, it's important that we do keep it fictional. Archer's editor, Vanessa Whitburn. Because in the end, you know, its concerns are fictional and you, you can't, you can't uh, actually pin it to one place. You shouldn't. Are you telling me that average doesn't exist? Well, of course it does if you've got the right map, but you just need... I mean, Borsetshire is between Warwickshire and Worcestershire and the number of people who come to me and don't have... the, the right map and there's no county there and I just say, go back and buy a better one. I mean, clearly. <laughs> Just before I dash for the last train from Holloton Junction, let's try that route from the Bull to Keeper's Cottage once more. This time with Sonny, who plays Lillian. I've no idea, because I'd be drunk. Because <laughs> Lillian would be drunk, love. She, she would be staggering. Actually, you're, she would be staggering. You're so absolutely this is, right this is, there. This you're is the why. one character that can get away with this, because nobody <laughs> is going to depend on Lillian for directions. Absolutely. No this, is why, this, of course, is my, my excuse. This is why I do not know where any location is in Ambridge, because I'm always drunk. So is that all right? <laughs> Over the limit. Well and truly. Oh, no need to adjust your radio or the clock. That was the last in the series of On the Map. It was presented by Mike Parker and it was produced in Wales by Jeremy Grange. <laughs>